podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you haven't played Paddy Power Fantasy yet, you're missing out. But on the upside, if you haven't played it yet, you qualify for a risk-free first go. Get up to £20 back as cash when you play Paddy Power Fantasy. And because every NFL game day is a season in itself, you don't have to wait to find out if you've won. Paddy Power Fantasy. Hate waiting, love winning. New customer offer. Min £5, max £20 refund. T's and C's apply. Paddy Power Fantasy rules apply. 18 plus, begumbleware.org. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show presented by Paddy Power Fantasy. Good to have you with us and we are in an unusual environment this fine sunny Wednesday at the Raiders training facility just outside of London watching them get ready for the big game against the Bears on Sunday all the press conferences as well lots to be getting into Mike Carlson is going to break down the game for us and all the big stories from around the NFL speaking of Mike's I walked past Mike Mayock the Raiders GM just a couple of minutes ago that's what it's like on location here NFL UK royalty in the house as well Jay Bell one of our regulars on the show of course he'll be in the studio with us in a few weeks time he's popping around Vernon Kay as well Vern's on the show a little bit later on looking forward to catching up with him so a lot to be getting into don't forget if you haven't already subscribe to the show by all uh, your usual podcatchers of choice multiple podcatchers subscribe on all of them i don't care frankly just get involved at the nc show is how you get in touch on social media so much to be getting into so let's get right down to it with iron mike Hi, Mike. Here we are again at the Raiders training facility. Yeah, another year has come around. It's perfect football weather. I mean, if Isn't this could just... hold, which I know it's not going to do until Sunday, I would be very happy because this is this is just gorgeous weather. And just to clarify that, blue sky, sun shining, as opposed to hail and snow, which some people might say is perfect football weather. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I don't mind that, you know. But <laughs> but uh, this is this is what what football was designed for, and it was designed for weather. Uh, the Raiders are practicing just on the other side of the wall behind us, and and Chucky was letting the heavy metal music role. Wasn't he just? There's a it little bit of hip-hop and then he brought on what's that? Was it Zeppelin he was playing on? I think so, yeah. So if you, you know, if you do hear music behind us, that's what it's going to be. The Raiders are rocking out. And I, I got the feeling when I got to the Grove Hotel this morning it's kind of like, you know, with John Gruden in charge and all, it's kind of like the Overlook Hotel and you're waiting for someone to go, here's Johnny! <laughs> <laughs> uh, the end is, that's how we should enter training every time. That's right. The it shining is, comes to London. I mean, it's beautiful surroundings here, of course. We are in, in, in this wonderful hotel and that is that that odd juxtaposition really particularly the raiders in town uh in this classic english uh country hotel uh with i think there were, vernon was telling me uh, there are two golf courses vernon's uh, played them both he's <laughs> played them both he's also very i mean we, we were just comparing uh, sartorial style uh vernon went quite peaky blinders you had your fonzie leather jacket which you should wear at all times carlson i should point out <laughs> j bell looking sharp as well I, i've dressed as a college football assistant that's good yeah the khaki trousers <laughs> are the, are the giveaway you know you really ought to have a head the headset ought to be attached to a long cord <laughs> that you're pulling along on the sidelines so for the benefit of our listeners because you've covered many of these of course over the years talk through how this works the raiders arrived early doors this week of course on monday and this is where they're based yeah and so they this is great because they have their practice facility right where they're living so there's no necessity for bus rides and there's there's 
there's pros and cons. There's an argument as to whether you should have a long week or a short week. And and teams that arrive for the long week figure that it gives them more time to prepare together to bond. And I know if you talk to OC, New York Giants 2007, the game in London was almost a turning point for the team, in part, he says, because they bonded um, on this trip. You spend all your time together and you get to know each other a little bit better. Um, and so a team that's kind of like at the turning point can sometimes use that to their advantage. And of course, you get over the jet lag and by Sunday, you're on British time. The opposite argument is that you practice in familiar situation conditions all week and and coaches love familiarity. They don't like seeing routines broken. And, and no matter what they say, that's always part of this experience. Is coaches just have this natural aversion to breaking the, the routine. Um, so if you fly, say, on Thursday night, you come in on Friday, you have an afternoon practice just to get loose. Saturday is the same kind of day, um, but your your major practices are done in friendly territory, as it were. And if you have a late game, a 6 o'clock start, your body is not so jet lagged that because it's one a one p.m. in your body clock, you know you then as opposed to nine a.m. exactly or, or earlier, of course, for a West Coast team. Yeah, right, so yeah. so then of course you've got the, that advantage, mm. and uh, so it, it's kind of like you hear the argument both ways. And mm. the one thing I always wonder about, and we'll hear it from John Gruden or not at the press conference after practice, when a coach says we've had a great week of practice, I that always sends up warning because <laughs> it never seems to translate into what happens on the field. There's a different Raiders coming over this year, of course, to the one we saw last year. And I'm talking about these type of days and the build-up. It was very dysfunctional last year, both on and off the field. It felt that the press conference was hurried and... I think it started early and it was chaotic and Gruden just didn't really want to be there and we looked quite visibly frustrated with the whole circus and that reflected itself pretty clearly on the field as well. Very different mood in the camp, isn't there, given the, the relatively positive start the Raiders have had to the season? Yeah, uh, positive if, if you discount the fact that, you know, they had the Antonio Brown situation well, but, but, in, particularly in, because of that, in preseason. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it, it, I mean, that's been a real a real turnaround. Now, of course, and I know we'll talk about it later, we've got Bontes Perfect, who's, mm. who's not going to be playing, so that's a loss for them. But yes, you see, you really see it. When they came last year to Wembley, they got pushed all over the field by Seattle, and not only did it seem like the team the players had no will or, or ability to overcome that. The coaches didn't either. There weren't any adjustments that you would expect when you're getting handed handled the way that that you that you were. So I think this is a different Raiders team, and they're they're certainly um, you know coming off a really good win against Indianapolis, and and that's huge for them um, because Indianapolis is not a bad team. Uh, now, the Bears are a different proposition to the, to the Colts, um, but Indianapolis has some you know pretty good offense. T.Y. Hilton wasn't there, so it made it a little bit easier for the Oakland defense, but Oakland's offense ran very, very well against that active, kind of fast pursuing um, Colts defense, and again, the Bears is a different kind of offense, a defense based on pressure, and the question now will be whether they can hold up under that pressure. Pressure. Talk about the Gruden project. It was a, a 10-year deal, notably, of course, and uh, a big bucks deal as well. And uh, it, the move to Vegas next season, too, there's a, 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 a very much a, a 
franchise in transition i think a lot of people thought that maybe he'd been out of the game too long and almost willing him to fail i think and willing it to uh to, to collapse but have you been impressed with what you've seen from him certainly this season in terms of what he's managed to get out of a relatively limited roster of players Be, being honest i would say last year i was completely unimpressed mm. uh i think bringing mike mayock in mm. was a, a a positive mood, a move in the sense that he needs someone. Mayock may not be in total control. We know that as a GM, but he needs someone he can bounce evaluations off of. And Mayock is good at evaluation. That's that's certainly been his. Careful what you say. Ollie and I walked past him about five minutes ago, just in this neck of the woods. So <laughs> right. he might be he might hiding anyway. behind the so bush. Just there. say positive things. Um, and you know, I, I used to I used to do the games in in London, uh, big uh, college games that he was broadcasting in the states, Notre Dame games. Right. Uh, so. And and I enjoyed hearing his analysis as there. He's he's a good analyst of the game. But I think what what you see from Gruden right now is um, putting together the kind of team he wants. I'm not still convinced that Derek Carr is going to be the quarterback of the future for him. But he's got the luxury, unlike most coaches in the NFL, of having this 10-year deal. Now, every coach is an interim coach, apart from maybe Bill Belichick. But... He knows that he's got at least a couple of years in Vegas to prove that, you know, he can put a contender out there. They're not going to get rid of Gruden before they move to Vegas because he's such a good, uh, a good front man for the organization to sell the team in Las Vegas. But if, you know, he seems to be taking positive steps this year. He's got the luxury of being able to take maybe positive steps next year and then the next. And as we've seen in a couple of cases, most notably Cleveland, you know, Cleveland did this kind of clear out the house, get draft picks, bring in new guys. But it took a new general manager um, in John Dorsey to take advantage of what they had accumulated and put together the team that we're seeing now, which looks like it's headed in a good direction. And I think Gruden, you know, has the luxury of being able to do that. And I think getting Mayock will at least help him along the lines of putting together a new team. It's one thing to clear out the guys you don't think are part of your long term plan. But bringing in the right guys is, is a different uh, proposition. So if the Raiders are there, Mike, where are the Bears at? Much like last season, awesome defense in different offense. Paradoxically, I think the Bears may be a better team with Chase Daniel at quarterback. Um, And the reason I say that is he was with Nagy at Kansas City. He understands the offense and he understands what it's designed to do. He can't make all the throws Trubisky can. He can't escape from pressure the way Trubisky can, although he had one play um, against Minnesota where he did uh, quite efficiently. But he knows where the ball's supposed to go. Uh, he knows where the second check down is. And I think, in a sense, that's more important to them right now because that defense is so good. We always, we've talked here for years about backup quarterbacks. What do you want from a backup quarterback? Well, the first thing is a guy who's not going to come in and lose a game for you. You know, you know your backup's not necessarily a guy who's going to come in and win games, but you don't want the guy to lose a game. And that's what Chase Daniel is. And I think they can get by with him for a number of weeks based on their defense, creating good field position, getting turnovers, holding the other team to a low number of points, um, and then the Bears not having to score that much. Does Trubisky have a higher upside? Though? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, he's got the, a tremendous arm, you know, which Daniel doesn't have. If Daniel had Trubisky's arm, he'd be Drew, you know, he'd be a all league sure. pro quarterback. Are they good enough to win the Super Bowl with the defense like this? And, you know, and a, a backup it's an like interesting question because I go back to the year when they got to the Super Bowl Rex with Rex Grossman and Kyle Orton right. as, the, as yeah, their two yeah, quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, and I think they're probably as good 
defensively this year. Maybe not overall as good, but they did, they generate more turnovers than that team did. And, um, you know, last week, remember, they didn't have Akeem Hicks, who's their best lineman. You know, he, he was out of that game. He, he probably plays this week. I think in an emer- if it push came to shove, he could have played last week. That's what they were saying, at least. Um, so he probably plays this week. And that's going to be a real test for Oakland, how that offense functions against, um, you know, what is a really good and difficult defense, much more difficult for them and what they want to do than the Colts defense was. And so the challenge, I think, for Oakland is to try to hold that Bears offense in check, try to get the advantage that way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, obviously, looking forward to Sunday night uh, or Sunday football, I should say, in London. I want to look back at Monday night football quickly with you. Uh, and in particular, talk to you about the Bengals, because there's been a lot of attention on the Dolphins in particular, the Jets with their issues and quarterbacks falling out left, right and center. Uh, Arizona are struggling too, but maybe the Bengals out of everyone could be the the worst of the bunch at the moment they are really really in if the they're cellar. not the worst they're certainly the most disappointing um, because you see that they have there is talent on that team um, they just don't really seem to be able to get it together now the biggest problem is their offensive line is awful especially at the tackles and they've got backups in you know so so they're vulnerable that way and Dalton's, Dalton's well remember they when they were good they, the offensive line was the center of that you know Whitworth at tackle and Zeitler at guard, and these guys are all gone now um, and so they thought they could get by, and, and I don't think that they can. They're another team that needs to be able to run the ball to set up everything else they want to do. And Joe Mixon, he actually had a pretty good game. Joe Mixon had my one of my favorite plays of the weekend was Joe Mixon on one pass block where he just leveled the guy coming in, and he was running at him. It was like a fake, a play fake, and he just kept running, and bam, on on his back. It was it was fantastic. But defensively, they're all over the place. Um, I, I don't really know what they're doing. Um, Paul Gunther, who was their coordinator, you know, two years ago is now Oakland's defensive coordinator. They seem to be running the same kind of things, but they don't really have good enough personnel, you know, despite the good players they have to be able to execute this well. And, um, you know, when you look at those Cincinnati and Denver, we both thought would be contending in their divisions. And Washington, there's always that kind of hesitation. But yeah, okay, Washington's got some pretty good players, especially defensively. Um, they're all huge disappointments and, and not really that much better than the Jets or, or the Dolphins or, or the Cardinals. And the Cardinals at least have a, a draw. Yeah, right. Side, but, yeah, but the that's, end of the tunnel, that's sure. like six teams in the league with no wins. We can count, count out already, games, really. That's a lot. Pittsburgh have avoided being on that list with, with the win and more than just the win, an impressive performance as well. Is there, is there light at the end of the tunnel for them? Mason Rudolph looked pretty composed. It was interesting. Again, and I give, I give the Denver, I, I attribute more of that to, sorry, the Cincinnati being bad than Pittsburgh being really good. But Pittsburgh's offensive line dominated that game, and and they ran the ball. I mean, you'll look on the stat sheet, and you'll see Jalen Samuels was three for three passing. But they weren't passes. All three of them were just, he took a direct snap and flicked it forward. So it was Wildcat, and then he just chucked it. To uh, Connor, and then Connor Connor He'll take it. He'll take the But the big thing was Mason Rudolph looked okay, but mostly on passes to Connor and Samuel. Yeah, You know, I mean, Juju had, what, one catch? or or three? No, three catches, sorry. Um, A quiet day. And 
and uh, all for short yardage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't think I don't think Juju is Mason Rudolph's go-to receiver. Mm. It seems to be Deontay Johnson. Yes, right. Yeah, the yeah, guy yeah. That he was that he was going to. But it was a better performance from uh, Pittsburgh, and their defense looked really good. But I think one of the things we've learned after four weeks is that we have to consider the opposition because there are so many bad teams yeah. in this game. Look at Dallas, say, going into New Orleans. It, you could you can argue that New Orleans was the first decent defensive team Dallas sure. had played. And we got carried away with Baltimore the first couple of weeks when they exactly. played Miami and Arizona, and maybe they're not as good as we thought. So things looking up for uh, the Steelers then, although, as Mike says, let's wait and see how they fare with Rudolph against a more serious opposition than the Bengals. Things not looking quite so good for Vontaze Buffy. Here we go again, Mike. Uh, here's a player who is perennial uh in trouble and this time banned for the season some are suggesting maybe not going to make his way back into the nfl i was watching uh, a show yesterday where there was a suggestion that there might be some form of collusion amongst team owners not to let this guy back in the league because he's just so dangerous and it's bad for the image. And I mean, we're all about image. Uh, one of the interesting things is that the, the penalties were announced. You know, they have players now in that department so that it's an ex-player who announces the penalties. And, and it, that gives it a little bit more weight than having some PR guy or, or lawyer um, announce them. But with Perfect, there's no question at all that the, suspen- the suspension is the result of the accumulation. Right. Um, so in isolation, what do you think you would have got for that hit? Yeah. Four games or something? Maybe. Maybe two. Okay. Maybe four. Um, but it was, a repeat offender, it was so. deliberate. No question yeah. about it. The, um, Doyle was defenseless. He was on his knees. On his knees. And Burfitt went in with and his he head, went helmet in to helmet. Head first. No question about it. Uh, and then jumped up celebrating. You know, um, although, you know, the week before, um, Killebrew had celebrated a non-called face mask on a kickoff where he nearly took Miles Sanders' head head off um, on Thursday night, and I thought that was pretty bad. But you make an interesting point. There is a there is a fine line, always has been in football, between Greg Williams-style, no-nonsense, brutal hitting that's, and illegal That's hits. part of the problem. There was another hit. Um, in the Patriots game on Josh Allen when he was when he was running with the ball by uh, I think it was Jonathan Jones of the Patriots and the announcers said to me there's no reason for that but when you looked at the replay Allen was still running he was being tackled from behind but he wasn't down by any means and he's a big guy who can break tackles and I looked at it and said well he's not throwing his head at anyone and then when you saw the the reverse angle you saw that he actually went with his shoulder but Allen because he's going down Allen's head hits his helmet on the side it's not Jones the front of Jones's helmet now you're taught to tackle with your helmet which guys are getting away from now they're they're teaching rugby style tackles more and more where you go with your shoulder put your head to the side but when I learned to tackle it was put your face in the numbers of the player that was the ideal tackle the NFL talks about the crown of the helmet which means you lower your head but there's a natural instinct as well to lower your head before contact by the runner as well as by the tackler this is the thing I, I said this when the rules first came in you know what a spear is you know when someone, most of the time, when someone's launching themselves at somebody head first. And it was obvious that that's what Perfect was doing. And because he's done it so often before, because he shows no uh, sign of being able to adjust his game to avoid that, because it's it's like... He sees the target and he can't resist going for it. And then, of course, he gets up and celebrates because because of what he's got. I don't think it's any surprise that that he got the penalty he, he did. And I agree with you. I I would 
wonder if the XFL is his next stop. I mean, you said you know the NFL might consider banning him. I think the XFL might consider signing, signing him, him for this, that, for that same, very uh, token. Sure. So, Mike, this wouldn't be an Out of Mike Wednesday pod without I Mike's top five. Yeah, and we're talking about the my favorite moments from the London series over over the years. I had to leave out cardboard cutout Mike because I wasn't there, but you I you were there. going around Wembley doing interviews with a cardboard cutout of me, including one with Alistair Kirkwood, the head of NFL <laughs> yes, UK, which I remember and I didn't see until the, the following week. But but you know that was my best presence at Wembley. I've never, I, it's never seen you talk so much sense, I Mike. Uh, <laughs> it was, was incredible great. stuff. Um, but um, where did that end up? The cardboard cutout, Mike. Is it, where did it end up? Is it in a you know, I, room I covered in Channel Five somewhere? I, Channel Five kept saying they would give it to me, and what <laughs> I wanted to do was to put it in the kitchen early in the morning when I got up, so that when my ex-wife, who was still my wife at the time, would come down in the morning, she would like see it and scream, <laughs> thinking that there was, there was someone. Um, but I remember I was I was looking, I had a big smile, and I was giving two thumbs up. Yeah. It was a very positive mic in that cardboard <laughs> cutout. Um, Matt Forte's touchdown run uh, for the Bears against the the Bucks mm. didn't make the cut, so I'm just that's number six. <laughs> so of course, no, there are of course there's five. more than five. Number five is Eli Manning's TD run in the very first game in 2007. You and, I, you and I were there. Um, he looked like a, he looked like a camel on snowshoes um, going for the corner. And part of that, of course, was that the surface was really slippery there. And then we went into the locker room afterwards, and Brandon Jacobs, who has a body like I've never seen on a human being, he's like got minus body fat. It's like they give him a stick of butter just so he'll register some body fat. Um, he was completely naked. I went up with the microphone. I said, can we do an interview? And he said, well, let me take a shower first. I said, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, so that Coach. Was, that, that was one your, of my favorites. That was your thanks, Coach. Um, the number four is the uh, Patriots uh, against the Rams. And there were a couple of plays mm. in that, 45-7. You remember um, Sam Bradford um, to uh, Chris Givens. In, in the like third play of the game, 50-yard touchdown. Wow, the Rams are here to give the Patriots a fight. Well, that didn't last very long. But there was we were down on the field for that one. Um, and in the second half, they ran two. They ran one play. They threw an 18-yard pass to Michael Humanawanui. And then they went jumbo with Gronk, Humanawanui, and Daniel Fells. In a, in a bunch on one side of the line. And I said to you at the moment, I said, they, it's like they've got five tackles in the game and they ran right behind those three guys. And it was a 30, uh, it was a, um, it was a 30, 30 yard run, um, as, as I remember by, uh, Stefan Ridley. Right. And, and that set, that set them up. And I said, see, I told you so. But it was amazing watching those three guys. It was like three bulldozers just, just running down and flattening everything in front of them. Uh, number three, um, we were doing Jags games. Alan Hearns, remember that winning touchdown against Buffalo? Um, it was a diving catch in the end zone. Um, he got you know just enough of the body down in the end zone because literally almost from the waist up, his body was out of the end zone as he made the catch. One of the most phenomenal catches, um, probably the most phenomenal catch we saw. Um, number two is another catch, Lance Moore, the 30-yard touchdown um, in what was still my favorite game of the bunch, and especially because it had come after the 2007 game with you know no points, bad weather. This was great weather, 37-32, Saints over the Chargers, back and forth game, you know, really great advertisement for the game. Two great quarterbacks. Rivers had a play 
early, just before that, actually, to LaDainian Tomlinson. It was a touchdown. He caught the ball just outside the 10-yard line, and he stopped and turned around. And the guy who was coming up to tackle him just ran past him like he wasn't there. And Tomlinson, was, that would have made my list, but I figured I'd just include the two there. But Moore's catch in the end zone, again, diving in the end zone, was a brilliant, was a brilliant catch. But the greatest play uh, was just a couple years ago. Um, and it was probably the best play I think I've seen. The Landon Collins interception, which he returned for a touchdown for the Giants again against the Rams. It was the game-winning touchdown, really. But he weaved through, I, I would guess, nine at least of the 11 Giants had a shot at him yeah. as he made this Rams interception had a shot return. At him. Rams. Yeah, the Giants had shots at him, too. They just didn't take them. <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, I think that was the single greatest play that I remember yeah. uh, from this, apart from Johnny Hecker's fake Field oh, goal. Fake Remember field that goal. one against the Patriots? Yeah, they were fake. J- Jeff Fisher calls the fake field goal. Johnny Hecker stands up and gets and like three guys <laughs> jump on him the moment he stands didn't up. Didn't go quite according to plan. <laughs> didn't go according to plan. Oh, terrific stuff, mate. What an uh, honorable mention for Drummond Antonio Bryant's catch for the Bucks. That was one of my favorites. That was early doors. That, in, in, it was that in was the, the first. That was the Patriots. Yeah, the was Patriots yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. 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 And Des Bryant had a huge game for the Cowboys. If Des Bryant, yes, he did. When, yeah, when yeah. he came, and uh, so the Bryant, the Bryant seemed the to Bryant's like London. Yeah, Matt Castle had a good game when he came over the bike. <laughs> Greg true. Jennings as well. I'm trying to think, which was the game that we did when I was pitch side and I had to run a, a run along the player I was interviewing uh, because the, the PR guy said, well, yeah, you could do the interview and then made him start running. Yeah, he was running to some other interview too. <laughs> he they... went to the locker room, I think. I think he was running <laughs> Who, to the locker room. The that PR a, guy just wheeled him out. It was a quarterback, wasn't it? Was it, the, was it? was it Castle? Maybe it was Castle. I can see you going down the, the 49ers. tunnel. Kind of like, it, you know. I think it was the 49ers. Don't, don't leave me. Don't yeah, leave no, me. Come on. Come back. <laughs> yeah, you love that one. Terrific stuff. I'm Mike's top five each and every week here on the Wednesday show. Let's get some mailbag in, Mike. Uh, here's one from Chris Noble at the NC show. If you want to get in touch with us, of course. Uh, he asks, can the 49ers stay unbeaten? <laughs> well, that's like, easy. I, I like mean, they, everyone's asking that about the Patriots. Yeah, the answer to that one's no, obviously. <laughs> How good are they? Though, do you they're think? in a tough division, you know, and, and you have to figure they're going to lose games to the Rams or Seahawks, you know, um, not necessarily all of them, but but at least one. Um, we'll see, I think, this week is going to be a good test for them against Cleveland because their defense has, has looked really good thus far. Their offense has been a bit spotty, and I think uh, the Cleveland offense will be better suited, in fact, to play the Niners defense than they were against uh, the Ravens, who, you know, who couldn't stop them running. Uh, this will be, this is going to be a good test to show us how good they are. The thing that they, they do miss Akello Witherspoon, and I remember I said, I think last week with you, um, the Jalen Ramsey trade would have made sense for the Niners to pay. They were the one team, I thought, because they have the immediate need to replace Witherspoon. And this game will be tough, although Landry might be out for the Browns as well. We've got to watch that injury situation, the concussion, which will yeah. make life easier. And, right? uh, and of course, their cornerbacks are Denzel, Warden, Greedy Williams. Got to keep an eye on those. They're out last week against uh, uh, the Ravens. So yeah. that, and, you know, um, that didn't seem to bother them. The story is that the, the Jags have turned down two first-round picks for Rams, yeah. which to me seems absolutely crazy because, you know, if you can't cope with the problem and you can get rid of the player yeah. for a decent, decent. return, More than you decent. might as well do it. I know? think it's a win win. I said before, yeah, they're, they're, they're never going to get happy. as much for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sell high is what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, speaking of deals, Johnny asks Can the Ravens add a top flight pass rusher before 
sure. uh, deadline. Yeah, they, it's funny how many times you say to a, about a team, you know, gee, if they just had a guy like mm, Terrell Suggs, maybe, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, whatever happened to him? I, I think he had a good game um, no, I know, for the I know. for the Cardinals. I, know. <laughs> um, I, I think that the problem is not per se a pass rusher, but the problem is that they've lost a player on each level from that defense, Suggs and Mosley and uh, Weddle. And the replacements that they've got have not been able to impact the defense the same way. I mean, Earl Thomas is a fine safety, but I, when I was watching that game, you know, when you watch Weddle, Weddle's like a traffic cop back there. He's always directing traffic. Mosley was doing kind of the same thing at the linebacking mm. level. I'm not sure like a Wonsu, who's a great player and is going to get even better, but I don't think he's got the, that the middle linebacker sense yeah. that, that Mosley had, the inside linebacker sense. And you need people like that, especially in a 3-4 because you think about the, you know, you're going to have to generate your pass rush because most of the time your three, four ends aren't going to be giving you a lot of pass rush. Their job is to hold up the other blockers and make it easy for someone else. So there aren't a lot of premium guys around. You know, you could, you could find guys who could give you a few sacks here and there. Um, but there aren't any premium guys out there. They, they've been signed. You know, um, the Seahawks got rid of, say, Barcavius Mingo. You know, he's he's a limited guy, but he's a great special teams player as well. So if you used him on just a few snaps, you know, you'd, you'd be able to get something out of that. That kind of player, Cassius Marsh is one of those kind of guys. Um, and he's been around three teams, I think, in the last two years. Uh, but that that's, that's the best kind of you can hope for. So the prognosis is not great for Johnny, then, is the, is the answer well, there. Well, I mean, the Ravens should be better defensively than they showed against Cleveland. Yeah. But I think that is the problem. It's, it's, they're in a period of adjustment. What do you make of the Cleveland performance? Because it was pretty impressive, and we know they're that kind of team capable of a a, a big right hook. They've got the, the offensive talent there, so they're going to be. Yeah, and they, they did can... it without relying on Beckham. You know, yeah, Beckham right. is the big right hook, yeah, yeah, but they yeah, did sure. it without that. Sure. I mean, the big the the knockout punch was Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. You know, <laughs> he gave, you know he, you watch him just generating speed. What Once did he call him on Twitter? Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. <laughs> yeah, because that's how he seems to run. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you remember, he did that last year. He had a couple of big runs yeah, yeah, early yeah. in the season, and Hugh Jackson still wouldn't play him. Yeah. He was getting two or three carries a game, you know. And, and but as Landry proved, as you say, and, and Chubb, and obviously Beckham, uh, they have these, and Joku when he's back as well, they yeah. have these big hits. So if they can keep the dysfunction to a minimum, they're going to be quite a dangerous oh, player. Yeah. And I don't know as they're dif- dysfunctional, but what you saw well, when they're the giving away a lot of penalties. Working, they are quite dysfunctional. All of a sudden, Freddie Kitchens, the whole rest of it falls into place. And it makes it makes life easier. His whole play-action game, run-pass option game becomes easier because that running game is working. And, and that, to me, was the question for Cleveland. A, they're strong on the interior line, so you know they're going to be able to run the ball, but can their tackles participate in that and keep Mayfield relatively clean? Because he's they, hanging on for so long as yeah, well to the ball. They did so. a good job of that. And I thought last week, one of the themes of last week was the run games. The teams that depend on run games, most notably Minnesota, if they can't run the ball, Cousins isn't going to win a game for them. You know, I, I was watching that game, and in the first quarter, he had Thielen with a step and a half, and he overthrew him by not much, but a couple of feet. You know, Thielen couldn't get the ball, and I said, that's it. He's not going to get many more chances like that against the Bears, you know, and, and that's what they needed to do. The teams that shut down run games did really well last week. Uh, New Orleans did with Zeke. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I think the Raiders presses are about to start, and there are bis- biscuits to be raided, Mike. You've already had a few of those. Are they decent? What, are they custard creams? I or? only had one biscuit. What, it wasn't what custard was it? cream. It was just some plain vanilla biscuit. Right, okay. That was the only breakfast I had. It's one more than me. When we were doing fair. the sound ch- See, this is my mm. problem. We did the sound check, mm. and I said, they said, what do you have for breakfast? Mm. I said, I didn't have breakfast. I just had a biscuit in there. And Nat immediately makes that into a thousand biscuits. <laughs> and, you know, and I've got them planted hidden behind the bushes here. <laughs> What's in your pocket, like Mike? Yeah. i tell you what. I'm, we, I'm used to it by now, but the audience might think it's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's gospel truth. We were chatting with Nikki Bandini on Monday and surprised that uh, we had a running order for the show. I'm surprised we had a sound check for the show. <laughs> so we are discovering things all uh, week long. Crack stuff, I Mike. Uh, of course, we're back next Wednesday. And indeed, uh, if uh, listeners want to read more of your stuff, patreon.com. Patreon.com, Friday morning tight end. It will Mike be Carlson, FNT, right? Yeah, uh, patreon.com, Mike Carlson, FNT. Get the plug right. <laughs> if, you, if you Google it, you will find it. We will also push it out on social media. How Thank about you, that? Hey, the sun is out. I'm in a good mood. See you soon, bud. Cracking stuff from Iron Mike. He is back each and every Wednesday throughout the season, of course. We'll check in with our next guest very, very shortly. Just a time for a big shout-out to our fantastic headline sponsors, Paddy Power Fantasy. Really appreciate their support this season, making the show possible. And if you want to get involved with some daily fantasy, that's the best place to go. Head over to Paddy Power Fantasy. Uh, we've got a special fantasy show that we drop on Saturdays as well with me and the OG, Ollie Geel, getting you set for all the big tournaments at the weekend. So get stuck in with that right now next guest and it's a goodie delighted to have an old mate like this on the show let's check in with Vernon Kay Vernon Kay I'm gonna let's pretend that we've just run into each other I tell you what we um we are the same generation fell in love with the game as kids and Every time we come to something like this, we've got to remember not to take it for granted, right? We were half an hour ago watching the Raiders play 15 yards from us. I know. It, it, I think we, we've now got, what do they call it, a wealth of, what's the phrase I'm looking for? There's, there's a wealth of opportunity within the NFL now yeah. in the UK. Yeah. And we're, we're flooded by these amazing games. And it, it upsets me when you see some forums won't mention any names and some fans saying oh why do you keep sending these teams over rubbish rewind yourselves (laughs) rewind yourselves if you can if you're old enough go back to 1988 Mm -hmm. when it was the American Bowl series and we had 70 million players on each sideline you know trying to look for Joe Montana we're trying to look for Dan Marino and actually they're not there they're in the stands because it's a (laughs) pre-season game and they just couldn't be bothered kidding up you know one game a, a, a year at Wembley the old Wembley uh, was the highlight of any NFL fan's calendar did you have a Capri ski jacket I had actually I'm going to send you a picture which you can drop on online right and roll it out because it's a classic Uh, because people say to me who do you support I don't have a team I just love the game I I love the sport I love everything that that the all encompassing NFL Mm. that's what I love because I think it's a great uh, it's a great league and it, it's it's a great sport, and I think fans know who poo poo these London guys. Like, listen, just shut up and walk away. Because yeah. back in the day, as I keep saying, we had nothing. 
you know, we had 30 minutes of highlights of NFL of the yeah. previous week's games. <laughs> yeah. And the highlight of that was watching Winnie Cooper and Kevin Arnold afterwards <laughs> on the one years. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Love the one years. Oh, it's a great show. I've been trying to, but I've been trying to download it. Get no, the box set is available now. Oh, it is? Yeah, because they had a problem with the music. So if you, if you, for people who don't know, the one years was a TV show which featured this kid, Kevin Arnold, and it starts off in uh, his lower school and it goes mm. all the way through to him leaving high school and going on to, into college. How do you feel about older Kevin? I, I like him. I, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you mean in the show or no? In, in the show. <laughs> no, in the show, older Fred Kevin's good because it, he, got, he was older Kevin as I was going through that transition of boy to man. <laughs> so you could relate to the one yeah, That's yeah, what yeah, was so yeah. good about it, you know, and it was his, his uh, issues with, you know, growing up, his friendship circle, his sister, his family, his mum, his, his very dominant dad, yeah. and also girls and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, think, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah, Kevin Arnold's doing this, that, and the other, so I'm going to try to do this, that, and <laughs> so anyway, like- if you've not seen it and you don't know what it is, give it a Google. It first started during the halftime show of Super Bowl 20 or 21, I think it was. That yeah. was when it first ever went out. And it was, yeah. it's been, it was a hit ever since. Uh, one of the all-time greats. But the reason why it wasn't on DVD was because they couldn't clear the music. Is that so why? if you think of the tunes that were in it, because yeah. it starts off in the 60s and goes all the way through to the 70s. Yeah, and yeah. they played the Beatles. Yeah. They played Jimi Hendrix. They played Led Zeppelin. They played yeah, yeah. all the bands. And they couldn't clear the music for DVD sale. But now they've managed to sort it all out. And it's available. And it's awesome. Best news, man. Because I've been trying to find this. Because my kids are going to show my kids. Oh, it's great. It's great. Uh, Kevin, what is Fred Savage doing now? I think he's a movie director. Or I think he's still in the biz. Uh, was he a bit like, you know, Ralph Macchio was 44 years old when he did the yeah, party. Was yeah. Fred Savage the same? Was he like a lot old? No, no, no. <laughs> Kevin, well, it, it, it kind of followed, it's age specific to actual, actual uh, the guy who played Kevin Arnold, yeah, yeah. Fred Savage, yeah. growing up. Yeah. Uh, and when you get the box set, you get uh, this like documentary book, which gives you uh, a whole... Like, you know the guy who was the voice of Kevin Arnold? Yes. That's the tall guy, right? The tall guy in uh, the film with Macaulay Culkin where he gets left behind. Home Alone. Home Alone. What? He's the other burglar. He's not John Pesci. Pesci. Yeah, he's He's the the other fella. You're kidding me. I know. I'm like, oh my gosh, I never knew that. It's amazing. (laughs) Uh, And obviously Winnie Cooper, the most beautiful woman ever on TV. Who ended up in the Western. She had a cameo in the Western. Yeah. Uh, She's in the Western, but she's also a genius at mathematics. The actress. Like, she's an actual genius at mathematics. Yeah, she's been classed it, it, it by Harvard Business School as a genius at mathematics. Great. One of the greatest series of all time. And, of course, she used to be on with the, with the highlights we used to watch. Yeah. Where we used to get half an hour. We, uh, and we had... Uh, there was always, like, Mick Luckhurst, who was a kicker for the Falcons. <laughs> but then John Smith, who had a tedious link to the UK, who was a kicker for the New England Patriots. Him. I remember yeah. Luckhurst. And then we had uh, Frank Gifford hosting. We had Gifford, yeah. You know, yeah like, yeah. one of the most iconic broadcasters and iconic football players yeah. of all time. He used to host our local UK coverage. That's so, right, yeah, yeah. And now, with, you know, we get four, is it three, three live games on a Sunday, we get Monday night, we get Thursday, we yeah. get this podcast, we get my podcast, we get Neil's podcast. Like, so there's no stone unturned when it comes to access with the NFL. And I think yeah. that's what makes it such a good sport for fans. Is It's not like soccer, sorry, football, mm. where it's a closed door after the games, yeah. where you can only sit in a press conference, where the league makes sure that uh, players are not backed into a corner the NFL is an open door like as soon as an, an issue arises within the NFL they say yep yeah. You can have a certain amount of time with whoever you want, and this issue will be discussed, whether yeah. the coaches or players like it or not. Yeah. And it, it gives you a, a deeper insight into the game and the mentality of the players and the whole scope of how the organisations are run, how the leagues run. And I think that's something that other sports leagues can learn from, is if you have an open-door policy, 
it gives fans the better or least opportunity. How do you how do you work it? Better opportunity to discuss it. Yep. More transparency. It yep. the, the the trolls. It lessens yep. all that stuff about assuming what's going on because the story's actually out there. Mm-hmm. You know, so we know the truth. You were talking earlier about the access that media or referring to the access we have as, as media covering the game and Mike we were chatting to Mike earlier talking about when he went to the locker room walked up to a naked Brandon Jacobs and asked him for an interview <laughs> Jacobs said let me have a shower first yeah, yeah. I, 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 I've been in that scenario uh, I made a TV show in 2009-10 about getting my old American football team back together the right. Manchester All-Stars when we were 40 is that still out? can you get that is that out there uh, it was on ITV2 I think it was it, it was interesting it must be on YouTube least. somewhere yeah, yeah, yeah I'd like to see there. that because uh, you played, sorry, just a tangent, but for benefit listeners that don't know, you played for a long time, right? Yeah, I played from 87 to 91, and then from uh, 2010 to 2015. Won two national championships, yeah, but level, I don't right? think there's enough space on this podcast for me to discuss that, so we'll move on. <laughs> minute by minute analysis. Yeah, 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 the first quarter of my first ever game, I was bench warming. Second quarter, I was bench yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so, the, so the All Stars, an ITV show. So the, the, this ITV show uh, went on air. Uh, what, 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 where am I at? I'm laughing myself. I'm just so <laughs> excited. The sun's uh, shining. Access. We're talking about access. access. And yeah, up yeah, the players, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so for this TV show, uh, they said, "Oh, uh, I was working in Los Angeles at the time." They said, "Oh, we're going to go down to the San Diego Chargers when they're in San Diego, and we've got you some uh, media access." Now, immediately, I'm thinking, media access is locker room, press conference, sideline. And it was everything I could have ever imagined it to be. Like Antonio Gates, right, former tight end legend. for the Chargers, a legend of the game. I've never seen a bigger human being in my life. <laughs> like, the, American footballers are big, rugby players are big, my dad's big, he's six foot six. This guy is a walking mountain, right? <laughs> and he walks past me. And uh, do you bleep swearing on, on this podcast? We'll probably have to bleep. Yeah, you're going to bleep this one. <laughs> we'll I'm bleep give you no one. choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He walks past, and I whispered to myself, "Hell, like that's why I never played the game professionally." <laughs> I, I'm never honest. I've never seen a. You know, John Alomu. Yeah. Like, imagine John Alomu, but with an extra twenty, thirty pounds on him. <laughs> He was an absolute beast. Because he's a basketball player as well, wasn't he? He was, yeah, yeah, Super yeah. tall and yeah. just built. And fast! Yeah. Like the guy, and, and that's what, that access is what makes you realise that this sport is next level on every level. Mm. You know, because there's always the comparison between rugby and American football. And both sports are position specific. So yeah. the fat lads block, the skinny lads run. Mm. It's as simple as that. Right, you don't see a skinny lad blocking. You don't see a fat lad running mm. in American football. Whereas rugby is all encompassing. Every lad has to do pretty much, hit, give or take, every other bloke's position. But American football is sport specific, so there's something a job for everyone, and that's another reason why we should love American football yep. because it's so diverse, inclusive, diverse, inclusive, diverse, which is what we want in sport. Do you know, on this, we were chatting about this on a radio show the other day when it was either a punter or a kicker. Uh, tackled. Oh, Scottish Hammer! Scottish Hammer! Absolute legend! He's a serious... Oh, no nonsense. There's another one. So, I'm going to contradict myself. <laughs> okay. The Scottish Hammer could play punter, yes. wide receiver, slot receiver, yep. tight end, safety. running back, half back, <laughs> yeah. safety, yeah. strong safety, and maybe outside linebacker. <laughs> love him. Uh, Absolutely love him. So he, Scottish Hammer, in a class apart, another, there was another kicker or a punter made a tackle, and in around the same time, it was red zone kind of cutting around... A quarterback threw a pick and made the tackle, right? Yeah. And we were working out what what do you like 
seeing more. Obviously, coaches hate the idea of a quarterback making a tackle, but do you like a quarterback chasing back his pick and making a tackle or a punter or a kicker who shouldn't be anywhere near a tackle making it? I always love, and it makes me feel warm inside, when I see an offensive lineman chase down a DB (laughs) and knock him into the next century. That makes me smile because the big lads up front, let's be honest, in American football, the offense and defensive line do all, they're the engine of any football team. They're the guys that keep that team going and they get no credit. Yeah. None whatsoever. God bless them, you know, and they, they, they work so hard. 95% of people more maybe watching and not paying any attention to that. No one, no one looks at the offensive or defensive line. Only when either there's a sack mm-hmm. and you think, hang on, who let him through? Oh yeah, that offensive yeah, lineman. So there's a four oh, guy, oh yeah. that nose tackle. He made a sack. What's his name? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's Andomacan yeah. Sue. Yeah. I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but are there any other nose tackles in the league who are superstars at the moment? Uh, McCoy, I guess you know, yeah, but yeah, yeah, you have to think about it, right? Yeah, so, yeah. you have to think about it. So when you see a, an offensive lineman thundering from one sideline to another and completely obliterating a defensive back, that makes me smile inside because yeah. he's going to end up on the highlight reel on Monday morning, and they're going to go, <laughs> "Hey, take a look at this guy, left guard." Oh! <laughs> it's the safety alive, and they'll play it for five minutes. Those, those are the things that should be rewarded. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to win on Sunday? Who's your money on? Well, we discussed this earlier on, off mic. That the the, the the Bears are five and a half points, right? Yep. I'm going to put my money on the Raiders mm. because I think, even though it's a, correct me if I'm wrong, a Raiders home game. Raiders home game. Raiders home game. Right, it's at Wembley, so it's an away game for both teams. Right, the Bears are five and a half points. They don't have their starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the weather is dodgy, it's going to be a running game. Yep. Bears, yeah, admittedly have a decent running game, but I think if the Raiders' defense can step up, then I think it's going to give Derek Carr and his offense mm-hmm. the opportunity to score some points. And I think John Gruden will be devising plays, no passing plays mm. for extreme weather conditions. Yeah. And I think that's what's going to be the game changer. You've got Waller in there as well. He's kind of merging. He can have a big game, I think, as yeah. well. It's quite, we were chatting about this with Mike that a year ago, and you were here, of course, as well. The Raiders were over, and everything was really dysfunctional, right? It's very different now. It seems like there's a much more optimism about the camp. Yeah, we, we talked in the past in various things that we've done about Mike Mayock because yeah. we just love what he does. We love the way that he analyzes the game. And, you know, Will Blackman's walking down here, and we mm. were discussing earlier on that he said that there's periods of time when Mike was doing the draft and stuff like that that you just couldn't get a hold of him mm. because he's just so like deeply ingrained yeah. in study yeah. and looking for statistics on these college players that we might not necessarily yeah, have heard he of. knows everything about everything. Yeah, so if he's done that for the Raiders and he knows where the team sit in their roster, then uh, I think that's what's going to make the Raiders a different team going forward. Yeah. And whether he's going to stick to the Raiders' old school philosophy of, do you know what, we don't actually give a toss what you think of us. We're the Raiders, we're physical, we're brutal, we bend the rules. Uh, you know, there's a famous saying in the 70s that the Raiders were like, we don't care for the rules, we just break the rules. Yeah. You know, let's go for it. I mean, any team that uh, has a guy who goes out on the lash the night before the Super Bowl, like the biggest game <laughs> in world sports, goes out on the piss. And they're like, you've been out on the booze. He went, yeah, I went out. 
so that you guys didn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, whoa, what a guy! Love that. Legend. Uh, and I think it all filters from their former owner, Al Davis, yeah. you know, installing that mentality of, listen, guys, I don't care. Or, like, his famous fame. Just win, baby. Mm. Whatever you do, I don't care. Just win. And they developed a team of rebels, a, a, a team of kind of, you know, uh, fools, really. You know, I mean, a Motley Crew. The Motley Crew, yeah. You know, the Motley Crew. Speaking of which, speaking yeah, of which, we are. Yeah, we are. The cars has just rocked, and they and they literally behaved like the Motley Crew as well. Yeah, you know, the Motley Crew. Yeah, the band. Uh, and I, I think that. Yes, those days are well and truly behind us. But I think if Mayock and Gruden can build a team that's got that at its heart, then I think, you know, next five years, the Raiders will be a team to to really reckon with. And I hope they do get back to the Super Bowl because it's the Raiders. It's the silver and black. It's that iconic. I I don't think there's a... I mean, this is controversial, but I don't think there's a more iconic sports logo Mm. out there. Some might say the Cowboys in American football, the star, you know, America's team. But I think the Raiders logo epitomizes what a team is. A lot of pirates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess because that 80s, there's a great documentary about it, isn't it? Like a hip-hop crossover in the 80s. Yeah. That's just at cement. Yeah, with Los Angeles. And, you know, the NWA were all wearing the Raiders gear because they thought that the team reflected NWA and NWA reflected the team. Yeah. And the stadium was just around the corner from the boys growing up. Yeah, Yeah, you know, and that's why I love the Raiders. I've got a real soft spot for the Raiders because... Of all those documentaries that you see and the stories that you hear coming out of locker rooms from the 60s and 70s, you know, like everyone's smoking and the girls and the drink and all the whatever else, you know, like Lyle Alzado. I mean, how was he ever a professional athlete? <laughs> he was so juiced up, you know, like, and jacked that, I mean, God bless him, God rest his soul, but what an absolute, another icon of the game. Yeah. That's yeah. why Vernon got into football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so, fried chicken. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, I was so jacked up. Thanks very much, Mike. <laughs> Look at me now. <laughs> Quick plug your pogs. You mentioned it earlier, the, the fumble with Fletch. Yeah, so we do a through. fumble podcast with, with the Darren Fletcher, and we kind of look at the absurdities of the game as well as the X's and O's, and it's, it's good fun. And it, that's available on all good podcasts. Yeah, 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 usual stuff. Usual stuff. Rate and subscribe. <laughs> Please subscribe. <laughs> good to see you, man. How do you, pal? Terrific stuff. Always good to catch up with old friends. Uh, indeed, that's exactly why Mike Carlson is. Really enjoyed his input as well. He's back, same time, same place next week. Shout out to our sponsors, Paddy Power Fantasy. And incidentally, if a London game has got you in the mood for live gridiron up close and personal, why not think about doing it the other way around, heading over stateside to catch a game? If you're going to do that, go to touchdowntrips.com. They can customize your American trip, maybe throw in a few college or high school games as well. Touchdown Trips. Com. We're back Friday, getting ready for the big game this Sunday. And don't forget, you can subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice. Get involved, gang. We'll see you Friday. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.